can stop the BS. You don't need business cards, a website, or to redo your brand. You don't have a brand. If you don't have a client, you don't have a brand. Mario Faccini is the host of the Expert Authority Effect Interviews podcast and helps people with a message and coaches like you and me write our books and elevate our authority in just a few months. Funny enough, Mario and I both started by making websites and both of us reached the exact same conclusion. You don't need any of that fancy stuff to grow your business or to be known or to get up on stage or to be interviewed. None of that stuff matters. Through getting to know Mario personally, I also noticed how vulnerable he was and how open he was in terms of sharing his thoughts with us and with his audience. So I had the opportunity to ask him where that vulnerability comes from. Most people put me down my whole life. No one really encouraged me. Most people were trying to get me out of it. When I got to be about 18, I started diving more into leadership and business stuff and realizing like there's an entire industry of self-help and all these different things. In this episode, I asked Mario to walk us through what it took to overcome years of negative self-talk and step up into the best version of himself. We also got to talking about the book writing process. So if you have a book inside of you, this is the episode for you. So stick around because Mario is about to dish out the best advice you'll ever get about getting your book out of your head and onto the paper. Now, we had to cut the interview down for the podcast, but I kept the full interview inside our uncut vault at theglobalphenomenon.com uncut, which you can access completely free. In the full version, you'll hear more about Mario's upbringing, about relating to his family and friends after he was clearly in a different mindset than they were, and hear me reveal the one question I'm not allowed to ask anyone anymore when I meet them in real life. For this and more details, watch the full version for free at theglobalphenomenon.com slash uncut. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts while enjoying a piña colada at the beach or wishing you were, please head over to the review section and leave us a five-star review and say something nice. It really helps support the show. And thanks. Here's my interview with the expert authority effect himself. Mario Faccini. Welcome to The Global Phenomenon, the podcast about online coaching, the inspiring new career path responsible for multiple self-made millionaires, opening the doors for experts and professionals like you and me to stop living paycheck to paycheck and design a rich and abundant life with one purpose, to help others. I'm your host, Ina Coveney, six-figure entrepreneur and business coach. Listen for lessons and strategies that will turn you into the next global phenomenon. Today's episode begins now. Hello, everybody. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Today, we have a very special treat. I'm actually going to completely regret introducing you to this character as soon as I introduce you. But here is my friend, Mario Faccini. Hi, Mario. Hi, Ina. How are you? I'm good. I know I'm going to regret introducing you to everybody. Why I'm is that? You're going to make me regret this. No, you're yes. gonna, it's going to be a great conversation. You're going to love it. And so is your audience. Just be an honor to be here. Just behave yourself. So, um, no okay, Mario, before we get started, why don't you tell everybody, what is it that you do right now for people and who you serve? 
high-level CEOs, uh, successful entrepreneurs and founders uh, with business with publishing their business books. Love it. And by the way, you do it in a very special way that I want everybody to learn about. But before we get there, we're going to go back to when Mario was little Mario. Mario, where did you grow up? I grew up in, uh, I'm going to tell you the full truth, nothing but the truth, northeast of Detroit, Michigan. So can you tell me, did you, do you remember a time when you did not think that you were going to be an entrepreneur? How far back do we have to go for you to not have the entrepreneurial bug in you? That's a good question. I started my first company when I was 12. So prior to that, eight to 12, I was always entertaining people before that. Do you remember ever wanting to have- I remember getting a job and resenting it from day one. And I think it was only because everyone was asking me. Like I had no real desire to do anything but my own. And truthfully, I had my first company before, like years before my job with dozens of clients. And I was like, why am I doing this? And it like was conflicting because I didn't, I didn't need it. I didn't want it. You'd think that would be like, then why are you doing it? Well, when people are just, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I was like, well, shoot, I can do something extra. I was ambitious. So I was like, well, if I still have extra time. This only takes me eight hours to 10 hours a week. I have all this extra time. I don't want to be lazy. So yeah, why not? But then after a few years of that, I was like, yeah, I don't like this. I knew that before I even went into it, but I, I've, I've done both sides of the coin there. Okay. Don't skip ahead on me. Let's stay back because I'm still trying to figure out then where did this entrepreneurial thing come from? Like dad. where from your dad, what did your dad do? He uh, owned a Marine survey business for 34, 35 years before he passed. So I always Sorry, saw David. him. Thank you. I always saw him with the flexibility of going out and just doing what he wanted on his schedule. And he always had, you know, we, we always had money. And I was like, well, I don't see him killing himself 90 hours a week for someone else. I only, uh, and he did have a job at one point, but he retired, but he was still doing stuff. And he also was doing this even while he had the other thing, but I wasn't around for all of that. So my worldview was just all he does is his business and he has plenty of time for mom and I. Tell me about what you started when you were 12 lawns, painting, power washing. Uh, and then I expanded the company when I started driving with shrub removal. Well, how'd you expand the company? It's called the chain. I got one, hooked it to the trailer hitch and just started ripping stuff out. Not rocket science. It was another, what we would call a profit maximizer or an upsell now. Okay. Before we get into books, I really want to talk a little bit about your very, very interesting way to get into this whole world when you were in high school because oh. not everybody not everybody would do it that way um can you tell us how you started your company even before graduating i mean and i want you i want you to put this into context for us because everybody who's listening right now we all had kind of like a unique experience in high school but very few of us were starting businesses and you know, making it a real thing before we even got to college. We're here thinking, oh, what am I going to major in while you're already building 
uh, client base. So I want you to tell me that story. I know what I like and I know what I don't like. And it was real obvious what I don't like. And most of that was schooling. I always like learning. I like helping people. I like being around people. I just didn't like being told you have to do this at this time, 80%. And I'm being conservative. I used to say 90%, but I'm like, I'll give everyone the benefit of the doubt. Most of the time didn't make sense. I'm like, why are we doing this? You want me to invest my entire afternoon with my, my, and I'm thinking my most precious asset, my time, this makes no sense. And I'm supposed to like, just be interested because you said so. No. Mm -hmm. So my attitude has always been, well, depending who you ask at what time, not great, but I think I have a great one now because it's like, I focus on what I'm good at and I like what I like and I don't like what I don't like. And I know it sounds crazy, but uh, I even put in my book, I like what I love. And if I don't love it, I don't like it. Mm -hmm. So I realized quickly, I really, it wasn't like, well, this is interesting. I could tolerate it. I was like, mentally just no. Okay, so now what? So was starting the first company around 12 I go, I got to do something and I don't want, and it's not going to be that. So in high school, I already had four, five, six years, whatever the math comes out to. I was like, I know how to make money. I know how to get dozens of clients. I know how to set up bank accounts. I know how to do this enough. I mean, I look back now and even today, I'm like, I have no clue what I'm doing, but I just constantly figure it out. And anyone that is a business owner that says, yeah, I have it completely mastered. They're lying because you're always learning, but I knew enough to go, I can actually sustain this. And I did. So in high school, it was nothing more to me than do I want to do this full time in high school? I knew I, I just love doing video computers, creative design, and I've worked with different mediums like glass, clay, painting, different mediums. But I knew if I took it to the computer, it'd be easier to sell. So the decision was, do I grow my lawn care power maintenance company or do I do this? Because I wasn't going to stop doing this. I go, I'm either going to have a successful company or an expensive hobby. I chose the first one. At the same time, are you getting any advice do you have mentors do you have role models it's like is there somebody that is looking at your stuff and saying wow you're really doing a good job maybe try this like who's who's watching over this kid who's now taking over the world the only one i can honestly say is dad most people put me down my whole life no one really encouraged me most people are trying to get me out of it so that was really it when i got to be about 18 I started diving more into leadership and business stuff and realizing like there's an entire industry of self-help and all these different things. But dad had a few business books. I still have his copy today of uh, Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. And he was reading some stuff. And I'm not going to act like I read it 18 times. I skimmed through it on occasion, but it wasn't until I really dove into the self-development where I actually read it. I'm like, I've had this book for 12 years. Like someone suggested it to me on a reading list. And I was like, I've had this, but like, I don't even need to buy this one. I already have it. Um, so I thought I was like hot stuff because some of the books mentioned he already had. Again, 
full disclosure, I wasn't reading them at 12. I just, I keep it simple. I'm like, I want to make some money, help people. And here's what I can do. Something that we can all relate to is not having had a very strong support system growing up. I don't mean support system because you were very well supported by your dad, but having people around us who didn't believe in us, um, having people around us who to take us down, to tell us our, our ideas are silly and to just get ourselves a job, to not focus on that other thing that we might have more passion on. Um, you were very lucky to have your dad in your life to to inspire you, to show you the way, to show you that all of this is possible. Um, so for those of us who are listening right now, who may have been taken down by everybody they knew when they were growing up, from somebody who had that kind of person believing in them from the beginning, what do you think they need to hear right now so that they know it's possible? You already know what you want. You, you know it to be true. The reason you're probably hesitating is because the whole world isn't cheering you on. If you just sit down alone and just see what happens for five minutes, something in you will either go, yes, you're supposed to be doing this or no. The fact that it's even on your mind you're supposed to be doing it. God gives you the seeds of greatness and there's a reason it's on your mind. The reason you're not doing it is because the whole world's telling you not to. But when you step out of that, like turn off the phone, turn off this t TV, who watches TV, the computer screens, whatever, just stop for five minutes and go, what's really on my heart? And the answer will come to you. Now, I think you know, you know that, but the other thing is, I wish I knew this before. Don't be confrontational. I've never said this to anyone and sure as heck not publicly. I'm very thankful for my family, for my sisters, for my mom. And they were at a lot of my band, uh, they came to this stuff. They supported me. They still do. Your family might not understand it. And that's why they question it. And if they haven't read 400,000 self-help books, like most haven't, give them some grace and understand they're just coming from a point of they want to support it. And here's another thing. Get off your high horse. You might not be articulating it well. I'm constantly trying to find better ways to say it and articulate it. But there is a point when you've refined it and you do know how to say it and you are firm in your ground and it's 20 years later. People still may not understand you, but just don't keep leaning into it because it's your natural, my natural defense is to be defensive because you're not going to take this from me. I am not going to let you get in my head enough and just keep stomping on me. I will fight for it. And I do because I got picked on as a kid. And I will never let that happen to me or anyone I care about or love. So I will get defensive, but it doesn't help a darn thing, especially if you're arguing with someone that doesn't understand it and they can't comprehend it. So uh, give people grace, understand where you're coming from, and 
do it for the right reasons. If it's not for you, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. I really think that's, that is so important for everybody to hear. Thank you so much for sharing that because we all have that in our life, right? Um, it, <laughs> it got to the point that I had to kind of train my own mother how to talk to me when we were talking about my business, right? Because every, and this is not to put my mother down because to this day, she just, all she wants to do is to be able to support me. She just has never seen this before, doesn't understand what this is. And she wants to be able to explain and understand it. So her questions about what I do always start with why? Why are you doing that? Why would anybody buy that from you? Why would anybody pay that? Why would, and I'm like, I can't talk to you. You are no longer allowed to ask me questions that begin with the word why, because it gets in my head and it just makes me be defensive. So she's had to try to figure out a different way of interacting with me. So I wonder if you ever found yourself like really having to adjust how you interact with people. Because if it was a normal conversation, like if you and I were just like chatting and you were telling me what you're doing, I think the book publishing is amazing. I would like to publish a book someday. I want to learn everything about you what you do, right? And I will, right? I want to learn about everything you do. How can I support you? Whenever I hear of anybody starting a business, I'm like, tell me more. I'd love to learn more, learn more, but not everybody acts that way. So I've had to adjust how it is that I deal with people. What do you think is your go-to mechanism to deal with that potential confrontation that we want to avoid that we don't know if it's going to be there? Like, what do you do to assess the ground before you walk in? So what I've learned to do is I don't, unless someone asks me, I don't generally lead with it anymore because it's, it's not, and at this point, it's not so much to protect it. I can't talk about it. It's most people don't care. And I went out of my way to like, try to weave it in Oh, wait, ask them something about them and then weave it in. But most people just don't care. And I just kept getting drained. This is also a litmus test to go. If they don't ask me, do they care? And now you make a little mental note, like they, the last four out of five times I've asked them, they'll like something on Facebook 400 times, but in person, four out of five times, they don't ask. And the fifth time they do, someone else brought it up and they go, oh yeah, I saw something on Facebook. That's something to credit themselves. So they look good. Hmm. You can tell when someone genuinely cares or not, if they genuinely don't care don't even bring it up. You're just wasting your energy and you could give it to someone who does. I do actually want to start talking about your books. So let's start with at which point did you decide for yourself that it was time to write a book and what was that book going to be about? I wanted to help more people. I've always wanted to help more people. I was petrified of actually doing it. Not the helping of the people, like get me one-on-one -on -one I'll come to your office. You come to mine, whatever the case is, we're good. You may have heard me mention, I didn't love school. So I may not have a strong writing background in the past. It was terrifying for me, but I kept first and foremost, I want to help more people. 
again, kept it simple. My background's in video production, special effects animation. How was I helping people at the time with video production and how to do videos for this online thing and how to share your expertise through video? That's what I wrote about video marketing for business owners. Wait, wait, because there would have been a million ways for you to share that knowledge. You could have started a blog. You could have just- Too much writing. You get too much writing. You hey, a book. Do a book. Hold Do a on. book. It's much easier. Book is writing. So, but why a book? This is not the first place that we all. Go I was to. around people that were talking about books, and I'm like, okay, makes logical sense. Why not? But back then, you had never written a book before. You decide, okay, writing a book makes sense. Did you have to do something to keep yourself disciplined and writing? Like, how did you get to that groove? Yeah, there wasn't much thinking involved in it. There wasn't like, okay, I set a timer on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday and checked my word count and made sure I was writing a thousand words. No, I'm like, I'm in a good mood. I feel like adding more to it. So I did. How long did it take you to write the first book? So here's the deal with your expertise. Even having no expertise, no. Even having no experience with the books. I had my expertise. I did the thing in two and a half months. So it wasn't this big altruistic ether. Let's make sure the stars are aligned thing. I don't even know. It wasn't like I sat down. I'm going to block an hour a day. I just wrote when I felt like it and was like, I want to kind of have this done before. Did it have a due date? If no one's ever told you to have a due date, they're a good thing, a launch date for anything, a goal, a deadline. I wanted it out before the new year. So I looked at the calendar. I was like, we're in month, whatever. I want it done here. And I just reverse engineer a lot going, okay, if I want it here, we need time for this, which means we need time for that, which means we time for this, which means I have two to three months to write it. I did it in two and a half. What was the name of the first book? Video marketing for business owners. Is it available on Amazon? Can we put the link below? See. See. Okay, we're going to do that so everybody can go and grab it. So you finish your first book. It's out. How do you go from writing that first book to saying, I think I'm going to teach other people how to do this? It's business. I actually had my first publishing client before my book was done. Tell me about that. Then you have to tell me about that philosophy that like, just like dive in with the expertise, even oh, yeah. as you're developing you, it. You don't need to know a whole lot. Like, do you want to help people? Yes. Do you have an offer available? Yes. Offer it. Again, when you're talking to people, what's new and exciting with you? The ones who weren't pricks asked back, oh, I'm writing a book. That sounds interesting. I've always thought about it. Great. We should do it. Fantastic. How much? How long? So yeah, I, uh, there's two or three others who are interested, but they're like, let me know when yours is done and my plate's full. I truthfully think it's more like with the show. I want to see what you did first. Mm-hmm. But one of them was an existing client and uh, we were doing, he, he's like, that would be phenomenal. I was like, yeah, let's do it. I remember being in the one meeting and uh, having one of my graphic designers, we were having lunch and he's like, yeah, I have this idea for the cover this, that, the other thing. I'm like, uh-huh. And I like kept pulling my phone down and was like, eagle on the cover title here, but, 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 but she was working on it real time. So like by the end of lunch, we went to get dessert 
he's like, we ordered dessert. He goes to the restroom and comes back and she sent me like a mock-up. I'm like, oh, that looks hot. And I was like, uh, before you go into D, can I show you something real quick? He's like, yeah, what's that? I'm like, Phew. he's like, oh, we're doing this. So don't think about it too much. If there's someone you can help and you have a skill set, you can get all fancy later and refine it. But at the end of the day, make a list of 10 or 20 people and go, I think I can help you. Do you want help? Here's how I help. Here's how much it is. Do you want to get started now or next week? You are just blowing my mind with how easy you're talking about sales when this is possibly one of the hardest things for coaches out there to wrap their minds around is how to get clients and how to put together an offer that is going to be appealing. And it can take them years, years. There are people who are listening right now who have been promoting. Weeks, maybe. They have been promoting themselves for the past six months, 12 months, and they still haven't been able to sign a client because they feel like they're still building their brand or they're still trying to figure out what their offer is going to be. They're just trying to grow their audience. There's all these things that they put in front of them. So I'm going to pause you so that you can tell me I want to know three things and you're going to think about them on the spot. I want you to tell me three things that those people who've been promoting themselves for the past 12 months without getting any clients, three things they need to start doing right now or reframing right now in order to start getting clients. Three things. Go. One, stop the BS. You don't need business cards, a website, or to redo your brand. You don't have a brand. If you don't have a client, you don't have a brand. You could have the idea of one. You could have the goal of having it at a certain point, but you don't know what your brand is because you don't know have the culture of how you prefer helping people. You could have the culture of, I take everyone under the sun, or you could have the culture of, I don't want anyone unless they fit this criteria. I went from one and shifted to the other. I will tell you, it's way easier when you make people apply for your stuff and you get the final say if they get to come on board or not. So stop the BS. Make a list of 10 or 20 people and just reach out, email, call them. Get on the phone and call them. Two would be, do you know what your offer is? And three, why don't you believe in yourself? It may not be the offer. It may not be the audience. It, everyone has money. More than ever, I would love to start a business right now. No one wants to do jack. And they're willing to pay for it. What, what name me an industry that doesn't have some subscription or convenience thing. Anything is possible now. So what's the problem? It's either you're overthinking it. Um, the offer is just not clear or good enough. You could be, be pricing yourself out of the market or under the market. I, there's someone I was talking to recently who he goes, I don't haggle with people. If they want if I say it's $5,000 and they say 45, they can find someone else. Conversely, if they would have said $1,200, I'd question why it's so low, but I'm not going to pay $10,000 for it. You have to understand to a degree, but that's the great thing. Just be upfront. The best thing I can say is be honest. Hey, I'm starting XYZ. I'm not going to act like I have a multi-million dollar company. I'm looking to get you know a handful of clients. I thought you'd be a good fit. Here's how I can help. And again, with the example, while I thought it'd be 28 bucks. Okay, so do it for 30. Just understand, here's where they're coming from. The data you're going to get is worth more. You can read all the books, courses, all this stuff in the world, but until you put it into action, you don't know what's going to work for you. When pe a, a good example is ads. 
lot of people say, oh, I spent 100, 200 bucks on that. I've learned from people that I spent tens of thousands and they go, if you're not willing to invest a month just for the data, you're probably not ready. If you're not willing to invest what you're asking your customer to invest, you're probably not ready. So if you're trying to sell a two, three, four, five, ten thousand $10,000 package and you haven't invested that in yourself, why? Hmm. So the third is, why don't you believe in yourself more? It could come down to that. You might have a good product. You might have a good audience. You might have a great offer. You might have even stopped the BS. But if you don't believe in yourself enough, it's always going to be the linchpin. Let's talk a little bit about your concierge service. So you start with coaching. You're helping people get their books written, get their books out there. Where did the concierge service come in? And this is for anybody who's listening, who's considering a similar kind of offer, how to go from just coaching to offering something in addition without going full agency? Like what does a concierge model look like? So I would have to differentiate like an agency model. Cause I've done that also is where you take someone on and there's like no end in sight when you're working with them. The concierge is truthfully what I started with. It's kind of crazy because I went from, yeah, I'll help you and I'll work with you to, I need to be able to scale this up. And that's where the coaching and group comes in because you can teach more people, but it's on them to do it. Now, when you want to move up to a higher caliber of clientele, they don't want to do it. We'll go back to my lawn days. They didn't, they didn't want me teaching them how to cut the lawn. What's a more efficient way? I, without, without a doubt, could have. They just want it done. Most people just want it done and they're willing to pay a premium. Think about the stuff you pay for. It might be the housekeeper. It might be the lawn care. It might be the uh, delivery service for the food. Uh, it, it doesn't really matter what it is. It's the business model. Yeah. There's something uh, that you told me when we were talking about, you know, I want to write a book. Uh, but, you know, I was telling you my biggest problem is like the, the discipline is sitting down, actually doing it and writing, writing. And you said something to me. It has been in my head. You said, but wait a minute. Like, you know, what would your book probably be about? And what about probably about the stuff that I talk about all the time? It's like, well, and you have a podcast. Yes. Well, just let's transcribe everything that you have ever said. And that's that's the book. We just have to structure it and create it and and just do it and i'm like that's true there's at least 50 or 60 companion episodes with that are all from my head giving people tips on how to get clients on how to grow their business on how to do coaching and you said well that's that's the book i want to throw a caveat on there because there's a lot of people who say take a transcript i do not agree to just transcribe it and put a book out I absolutely love taking existing content and using it as a starting point. Mm -hmm. I did my second book in a day because I took one of my existing webinar presentations and went, this is good. This is good. This is good. We talk about the same stuff over and over. If you've ever done an interview, ever uh, spoke somewhere, ever wrote a blog post, because I joke about blog and LinkedIn post all the time, but the reality is those are probably better written than some of the stuff you say. 
the, the thing with transcripts is you're going to have to spend a lot of time rewording it so it sounds like a book and it's cohesive. That's the thing. I'm a full proponent of take your existing stuff and use it for the book. And the cool part is that with you, you would help me get that done. You're not oh, yeah. like telling so me. So it's not you I'm... having to write it because right. your brain's in a different spot. But so most people like us, we can talk and perform on stage and do all these things. And it's like, okay, cool, whatever. Let's go get lunch. But it's like, I don't want to have to structure this out because your brain will start going, oh, I meant this, but I meant that. And then all of a sudden you stop thinking and writing. Yeah. When you can just talk to someone or take YouTube videos or, you know, the medium of how you get this content out doesn't matter. If you are a good writer, God bless you. Then freaking write. If you hate being on video, don't get on video. If it's easier for you to jump on a mic like this, jump on a mic. So now we're starting to wind down and there's something we want to know. What do you think is the biggest misconception that people have of you as a successful business person? I really don't know. I should ask you. I think that you are thinking about jokes all the time. I think that you're a, a you think you're a big performer. You that is like, not a misconception. That is absolutely true. You like the performance aspect of it. Um, I think that don't you? I think that you take your work very seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I think you're going places. I feel like you're going to be somebody that you know in thirty years or like like maybe even sooner than that, but like, I'm thinking like, like in, in, in 30 years, we are still going to know each other. And I'm going to be telling people that I know you and people are going to be like, Oh my God, you know him. I'm going to like, yeah, I've known him for 30 years. I had arepas with him in Orlando. Like, like that, that's like kind of how I see you. So see like, to me, these are all things that are true. So how do I know that I think of a misconception? Well, if you keep telling me, I'll, I'll flat out tell you if it's a misconception that you're joking, no one's called me on that, but, uh, I've joked with people and audiences from stage. They're like, what about this? I'm like, I don't do that. That's my team. That takes away from my YouTube and swimming time. Um, I do have one last question for you. Okay. Let's stay in the topic of publishing your book. What do you think is one thing that everybody who's listening needs to do in the next 24 hours towards the goal of publishing their book? And by the way, they have no choice. They have to do that thing. What is that thing? Decide what the first book is going to be on. There's very few people, because I'm thinking of somewhere that is like, oh, I, I, I only want to do a book on this, that within about 10 minutes, they're like, oh, actually, now that we went through your exercise, there's like, I could talk on da, 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 da. So I go, hey, that's great. We can do those for the, uh, the next books. The first one, decide which one you will do now. Love it. We're going to do that. So, Mario, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for being so generous with your time, with your knowledge, with your story. Can you please tell everybody where they can go and follow you and learn more about working with you? If you want to learn more about publishing, eapublishingmethodbook.com. And if you'd like to uh, see the show, learn more about my show, it's eainterviews.com. Tell us what EA stands for expert authority effect awesome and we're going to put the link to your book 
the link to your podcast because everybody can go and listen to that right now and uh, the link to your social media so people can go and follow you. So at Mario Ficini across the board. Thank you so much, Mario. You're the best. Pleasure was mine. Thank you, Ina. Hey there, Ina here. After this interview, you may be wondering about how to overcome your own negative self-talk, your upbringing, all those experiences that shaped you, but now they conspire to keep you down in your business and in your new life. Join me in the next companion episode where I will share with you the one thing that keeps my audience small and it has everything to do with my past. Let's get over our hangups together. Follow and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss it. And if you would like to listen to the full interview with all those details that only the super fans want to know, go to theglobalphenomenon.com slash uncut and get free VIP access to the full library of all the uncut interviews. And I'll see you on the next one. Thank you so much for listening. You know that part in this episode that made you go, oh my God, I need to write that down. I want to know what that was. So go over to Instagram and find me at your engagement coach and send me a DM. I want to hear it. And if your business bestie is missing out on all of these juicy strategies, make sure to take a screenshot of the episode and share it to your stories. Remember to tag me so that I can thank you personally for all your support. I'll see you on the next episode.